probably be the last person to leave today because um, I have to go to Garden City to do some clove shopping with Janelle, so I'll be pr <laughs> procrastinating as much as I can. Lord, give me strength. So, what's that? Yeah, 4 p.m. Yeah, that's it. Hopefully we're having an evening service. I'll be sticking around for that. But yeah, welcome along. Today, um, today is Your Move Sunday. We run these services a couple of times each year. And the whole purpose of this is to really just encourage people to take one more step into the life and the heart of Jesus' church and, uh, you know, of our church. And uh, this is just one of the many Christian churches around the world that together form the body of Christ. And so, you know, we're encouraging you to take one more step into it. And as I share this morning, I realize that sitting in front of me is a whole bunch of different people with different stories from different walks of life. You know, I don't know which parts of what I say may relate to you and, and, and what's going on in your life. So I'll just share the message that God's placed on my heart and just leave it up to you and God for how you come to apply this message. I'm not telling anyone off. I'm not saying if you're already really involved that you should get more involved. That's a matter between you and God. So, But before I do start, I just thought I'd just pray. So why don't we just close our eyes and I'll pray. God, we just thank you that we can come to church uh, and we're not threatened by anyone around us to be able to come here. We have an opportunity that in other parts of the world, people, Christians just don't have. And we just thank you for this building. We thank you for this church. We thank you that we can all be here today, Lord, and just come around your word together. In your name, amen. So today, Your Move Sunday, I'm going to share about three things that Jesus wants his church to do. Three things Jesus wants his church to do, and that is to meet, serve, and sit. Meet, serve, and sit. So let's talk about meat. Jesus' purpose in establishing the church is to bring people together so that they can encourage others and be encouraged by others in their faith. And one of the ways that this happens is when people come to a weekend church service in their local church, just like we all have today. Hebrews 10.25 says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially that the day of his return, that's Jesus, is drawing near. And one of the key messages of this passage that you see on the screen is don't make a pattern out of not coming to church. Don't make a pattern out of not coming to church. But in our country, in Australia, that's exactly what is happening today. According to the 2013 census, 92% of Australians don't come to church. So only 8% of Australians come to church. A whole bunch of Aussies say, hey, I'm a Christian, and they identify with the Christian religion, but only 8% show up. The other 92% either don't come to church at all or only come every now and then. But one of the, the key messages of this passage is don't make a pattern out of not coming to church. So some researchers looked into this national church attendance issue. It's a bit hard for you to see it on the screen, but if you're interested, just go into Google and type McCrindle Church Attendance Australia and you'll find it. Six top reasons why Aussies either don't come to church at all or they don't come much. One of the first ones you'll see is they're saying it's irrelevant to their life. 
I just don't get much out of it. The second and third reasons is basically they don't like the preaching or the teaching. And fourthly, the fourth point is outdated style, which is just a really polite way of saying church is boring. Fifth, they don't believe the Bible. And number six, too busy to attend. And it's that final point that I really wanted to just focus on for today because that point is something I really get. I think everyone here today understands what it's like to have that experience of I'm too busy to attend church because we live in a crazy, busy world. We've got lots of different competing priorities. In fact, in 1966, a US Senate committee report concluded that with all of the advances in technology, life was going to become so much easier in the future that you would work less and you'd have such a work-life balance and the only problem you would have is, what do I do with all the spare time? But that's not how things work today. I mean, if you just remember, I think it was a, years, a year ago, there was that crazy Pokemon phase where Kings Park was overrun by people who didn't even have time to look up from their phone because they were so glued to the screen. And on my lunch break, when I, you know, I work in West Perth, when I walk around, I see people and they're walking along so glued to their phone that they're nearly getting hit by cars. You know? And I laugh at them and I think, what are they doing? But then I end up doing the exact same thing myself. We live in a world and it's got crazy busy, uh, you know, it's crazy busy and, and we've all had that mental conversation in our own head about church and maybe you even did that this morning or did it this week where it's like, gee, I've got quite a lot on this week. I'm just not sure if I can go to church, but I should go, but I haven't been, you know, I've been, you know, every week for probably the last three months, so maybe it's my turn to have a week off Sunday. And then pretty much, depending on what decision you make, you're either at a cafe on Sunday morning having breakfast or you're here. You know, we all know what that experience is like because we're busy. But the whole thing is church isn't another thing we just do to make an already busy week even busier. The reason, one of the key reasons we come to church is because it's important and it helps us to stay prepared. Church is important because it helps us to stay prepared. Back to Hebrews 10.25, we can bring it up on the screen. This passage links the importance of Christian fellowship with the day of Jesus' return. Jesus came once to start something new, and if you read the Bible, what you'll see is it's not just that he came and he just died on the cross to bring forgiveness. That's all part of a plan that will come to completion when he comes back for the second time. And my reading of this passage is that regular Christian fellowship, which includes coming to church, encourages us, it builds us up, and that helps us to, and that helps to prepare and ready us for the day of Jesus' return. Or to put it more simply, consistently coming to church helps you to be prepared for when Jesus returns. There's lots of reasons to not go to church, but I think that there's a more compelling reason that we should. It's not just another thing we have to do to make an already busy week even busier. It's important to keep us prepared. So if you don't come to church on a regular basis, my encouragement is to make a change, starting from next week. And in addition to attending church, 
You may, all wish, you may also wish to get involved in a church small group. We have a bunch of those that run in our um, church community. And to get involved in that, it's really simple. You can head to our church website and just join up on there. Or in the back of, your, or in the back of the seat in front of you, you'll see a church small group brochure. It's called the church, uh, was it, small group menu. So you can see all the different small groups we run. And if you find one that you'd like, then what you do is you just fill out this card and at the end of the service, it's called Count Me In, place that into the offering bucket and you can join up. So that's meat. And if meeting regularly in church is all about being part of the body of Christ, then serving is about playing your part in the body of Christ. And the way that God helps us to play our part is by giving us spiritual gifts. So Romans 12 says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. A great example, I think, of a God-given spiritual gift that we can see in the life of a, of a person that's actually using that gift is, an ex, uh, is the life of Graham Seed. Graham Seed was born in the United Kingdom in the late 1960s. He had a happy childhood, but from nine years old, he started to get involved in petty crimes and his life just went off the rails. From 16 years old, he got involved in some really violent offences and then from 16 he was imprisoned five times into his adult life. As an adult, Graham became homeless and hopelessly addicted to drugs and alcohol. And he ended up doing such serious damage to his body over such a prolonged period of time that one night while he was asleep on a park bench while it was snowing outside, his body shut down and he fell into a coma. And a passerby found Graham, rushed him to the hospital, and there he was on life support with a machine breathing for him. And doctors began to speak to his mum about, look, this prognosis isn't good, so we've got to turn off the life support. But the story gets kind of interesting because there was a group of Christians that had seen Graham on the street and for a period of time they'd been speaking to him and ministering to him and they'd built a relationship with him. They heard of his situation, so they go to the hospital and they start to pray for his recovery. And for each of the six days he's in this coma, they visit him every day and they pray for him. Six days after his coma, Graham, miraculously, he pulls out of it and then he starts down a very long road of recovery. Now, a week after he gets out of hospital, Graham realises that something has changed in his life. Something very dramatic has happened to him. He's not the, the same person. He's not the same person that went into hospital. He's having thoughts, feelings that he's never in his life even experienced. And here's what he had to say about this in his own words. He says, less, less than a week after leaving hospital, after coming out of the coma, I was looking out of my bedroom window. I saw three young kids running over the bridge 
from Tessadale Retail Park. They'd been shoplifting just like I used to. I didn't have Christ yet, but I knew it was wrong and that I must do something. I shouted after them, but they just thought that they were in trouble, so they ran off. So I got some people to spread the word that I wanted to talk to all of the youngsters on the estate, and that night more than 30 of them turned up in my street. I told them that what they were doing was wrong. I said to them that with my past, I was in no position to talk, and I couldn't explain why I was saying it, but what they were doing wasn't the right way to live and that they must stop, and I was going to help them. From that day to this, that has been my mission. Graham had no idea why he had these feelings and these desires to help people. He ended up writing a book about his experience, and he actually said that until this moment of looking out that window, he had never before in his life had the feeling or the thought to help another person. So he's actually talking about a very specific situation where he can remember everything about what happened the first time where he had a foreign thought and feeling he'd never had to help another person. Shortly after this experience, Graham becomes a Christian. And from then on, his desire and his ability to help people has grown stronger and stronger and stronger. He got married, he had kids, his whole life's turned around. And for the last 10 years, he's run this ministry called Sowing Seeds, which disciples and helps people that were in situations just like he was. Now, this story really, to me, it's about what God is doing in Graham's life. It's not about, look at how great Graham is helping people. This guy never wanted to do that until God began to move in his life. And this, to me, is an example of the spiritual gift of helping people in operation in, in Graham's life. That is something that God has imparted into him. He continues to work that through him, and Graham is doing incredible things as a result. And what God is doing in Graham's life is what he wants to do in the life of every Christian. If you're a Christian here today, what you should know is that God has a, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. It's not without meaning. He has a mission for you, which he wants you to fulfill, and he's there to help you to do it. And that mission most definitely includes using your God-given gifts to serve in your local church. Sorry, I just missed this point. And it's God has given you a spiritual gift to use because he wants to use you. God has given you a spiritual gift to use because he wants to use you. So if you don't know what your gift is, it shouldn't be too much more complicated than just seeking God about it, just praying and asking, asking him to reveal it to you. Also, you've heard it plugged a few times today, but you can do life track, and that's really a really important way of here at our church of when you do life track, it's the pathway to then get involved and serve in one of our dream teams. But a really cool part of life track is week three, where we focus on serving and spiritual gifts. You can even fill out a questionnaire which can help you to maybe identify which gift uh, God may have given you. And to do life track, you can, I think Mike and Nate, you just show up, don't you? Just rock up. Starting from next month, you can just rock up and do that course and be great. Now, if you have done uh, life track before, what you, what you can do is you'll find that there's a card in your seat. We'd encourage you to fill that out today. 
and maybe just identify which dream team you'd like to serve in and then just get involved. It is as simple as that, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, final thing Jesus wants his church to do, and on this point I'll be brief, it's to sit. Sit. And I'll read here from Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So the way that this this passage is playing out is you've got you've basically got Martha in the kitchen over here working really hard to serve Jesus and the entourage of disciples that he's brought around to her house. We don't know exactly how many people could have been in that house, but let's just say it could be anywhere from 10 to 30, right? So she's in the kitchen over here working really hard, and then she's got Mary, her sister, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, essentially having her quiet time in a very busy time in that household. And so Martha's getting increasingly frustrated. She goes over to Jesus and demands that he tells Mary off and to get into the kitchen and to start helping her. And what's really interesting about this story is that we have a contrast of one woman serving Jesus and then we have another woman sitting at his feet listening to him and it's a bit of a dilemma What's Jesus going to do? Is he going to say to the person serving, you've made the better choice? Or is he going to say to the person sitting, you've made the better choice? This passage really is about the priority of spending time with Jesus. And what we actually see Jesus do is he says to Martha, he doesn't say, you've made the bad choice. He doesn't say, you've made the wrong choice because serving is good. But what he says is, It's actually Mary who's made the better choice because she has understood the priority that spending time with Jesus is the most important thing and it's the first thing that we should be doing each day. You know, we have have time that's been given to us and it's available for our use and if all we do is come to church and serve him, that's good, but it's not the best thing we can do because the best thing is to make time to spend with Jesus. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, we had a visiting speaker and he came to church. His name's Corey Turner. He's been twice now. But the first time he came, he said something and I wrote it down in my Bible and I've just never forgotten it. He said, the key to prayer is prayer. The key to prayer is prayer. And it was just, I thought about it and I, it, was just, it puzzled me. And I was like, yeah, that's so true. Because what he was talking about is the key to prayer isn't doing a three-hour study on it, although that's good to do. The key to prayer is actually just praying. It's actually just doing it. The, you know, the key to reading your Bible is reading your Bible. The key to prayer is prayer. The key to spending time with God is spending time with God. And I know that for myself, I'm so inclined to 
go, oh, gee, I wish I could spend time with God. Oh, maybe I need to go and read uh, a book by Joseph Prince about how I can spend time with God instead of actually just going and spending time with God. So over the last few months, this, this thing that he said has been really going over in my mind and I was getting a bit down on myself that I wasn't actually doing it. So I just started every day just trying to spend time with God. And I've made progress and I've made steps backwards, but every day I've just been making that decision. And I've really been blessed as a result. And I've also found that that same principle of just less thinking about it, more just doing it, also applies to getting back on track as well. Because, you know, like for myself, uh, since having my little boy Ezra, who's absolutely awesome, I have been getting more sick. That's pretty much what, that's what happens, right? You, when you have a baby, you pretty much you sleep less than you used to and you get sick more than you ever used to before. So many awesome things happen, but I have been getting more sick. And I find that I have this like almost mental block where it's like quiet time or spending time with God is what you do when you're well, but when you're sick, it's like I just don't do anything. And it takes me a really long time to kind of get back into that routine. But that same principle of just doing it also applies to getting back on track. The key to spending time with God is spending time with God. And if it doesn't work out, the key to getting back on track is just getting back on track. It's just making that decision. And so that's what I've been really working on over these past few months. And so I wanted to ask you today, how are you going with spending time with God? Where is he on your priority list? Has it been a while? Are you finding that when it comes to spending time with God, you're like, you go well for a while, but then kind of like I have that experience, you get really inconsistent, then you procrastinate and you can't really get back on track? Well, if today you're not spending time with God on a regular basis, if you're kind of feeling a bit down on yourself about that, I really want to provide an opportunity in a few moments' time for you to just get back on track and just come up the front here and just pray and just get back on track and then just go home and start spending time with him and then do it again tomorrow and then again tomorrow. It's just one day at a time. But before I do that, I just wanted to provide an opportunity for people here today. If you aren't a Christian, if you actually don't know Jesus, I wanted to provide an opportunity for you to actually invite him into your life. So I'm going to pretty much close my message off in just a few moments' time. Um, but what we might do is, can everyone just close your eyes, bow your heads in prayer, and I just want to provide a, a quick opportunity for people to invite Jesus into their lives.